You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast, episode number 47. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. As always, I am thrilled that you're here today. Now today, we're changing things up. Instead of talking about the strategies and tactics and the actions that you need to take to build your business, which I can talk about that stuff all day long, I love it, we're actually going to instead talk about the mindset of an entrepreneur. Now, if you're anything like me or if you're human, let's just get down to the basics, you definitely have faced some challenges and fears as you ventured out to grow your own business. We all face those fears and challenges. Some are different than others, of course. I might have one challenge that you've totally mastered and you might be struggling with something in that head of yours that you're thinking, this is going to hold me back. We're all very different, but I will say there are some really common challenges and fears that I hear come up a lot. Now, I know this for sure because a few weeks back, I posted on my Facebook page asking my fans to share with me some of those mindset challenges they've been facing. And it was really endearing because over 60 people gave honest and genuine answers about some of the fears and challenges they've been facing in their business. And you could hear almost the angst in those concerns, in those challenges. And my heart went out to them because I've so been there. I know what it feels like. And sometimes it's easy to get stuck in your head and you're not moving forward and taking the action you want. Now, I'm not the expert in solving all these mindset challenges. Oh, how I wish I was, but I'm not. And so because of that, I've asked my own personal business coach to come on the show today and help us move past these. Now, my business coach is Todd Herman, and although I've known Todd for many, many years now, we just started working together earlier this year. So the experience is new for me. I made this big investment because I wanted to up my productivity, and this guy's all about action and efficiency and productivity, so he's the perfect guy for where I'm at in my business right now. Now, he's got a pretty amazing background. So in the business world, he's become the performance and leadership advisor to two self-made billionaires, that's billionaires, Cisco executives, members of the Spanish royal family, and numerous online entrepreneurs, including me. So here's the deal. Todd is all about performance, and he knows that performance starts with your head what's in that mind of yours, and what's holding you back. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. Now, I will say my favorite thing about Todd is he's actually just a farm kid from Alberta, but he's living in New York City, and he has a wonderful wife, Valerie, two adorable, like squeezable cheeks little girls that I can't even get enough of, Molly and Sophie. I just recently got to meet them, and they're absolutely precious. So Todd is a family guy through and through, which always makes me love to work with somebody even more. So in this episode, we're diving into the mindset challenges many of us face when building our businesses. 
And again, the goal here is to help you move past some of those challenges. I think you'll be able to identify with some of them that I'm going to bring up here today. So the goal is to help you move past them so you can actually see stronger performance in everything that you do. My favorite thing is that when my editor was editing the meat, that's what I call the interview part, the meat of this interview, he said, Amy, this is the most insightful podcast episode you've ever done. Now, coming from a guy that's heard all of my podcast, that definitely means a lot. So I think you're in for a great treat today. Also, in this episode, you're going to hear Todd and I talk about a special task tracker that I've been using for the last 30 days now, and it has definitely rocked my world. Basically, it's called the Entrepreneurial Scorecard. I have to use it every day, and I track the work I'm doing, but I track it in different columns. I'm not going to tell you all the secrets to it till you hear the interview, but if you want to get it before you actually listen to the interview, you can go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 47 download. So amyporterfield.com forward slash 47 download, or you can text 47 download to the number 38470, 38470. So you can text me or just go online and get it. And this is the free PDF giveaway that I've been including in every episode. This one is really, really cool. So I want you to grab that and then I'll talk a little bit more about it inside the interview. Now, one more thing. In the interview at the beginning, because Todd lives in New York City and they're freezing their buns off at this time of year, you will hear the heater come on. And the heater's on during his first few minutes that he's answering the first question I ask him. Then I have him turn it off. And then the dang thing comes on later on at the end. It wasn't his fault. I don't know what happened, but just ignore it. Don't let it kind of throw you off. He has so much great stuff to say that you're just going to hear a hum in the background. No big deal, right? Okay. I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and dive in. Todd, thanks so much for being with me here today. I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk about the, uh, different topics that we've got lined up. Yes, we've done some research in advance. We've asked our audiences questions in terms of what they're struggling with as they build their business. So we've got a lot of good stuff to dive into. But before we get there, I want to make sure that everyone listening really understands you and gets you because you are a different guest or your business is different than the other guests I've had on the show before. So tell people a little bit about what it is that you do and how you get results for people. Sure. So um, I've had a uh, coaching and consulting business for about 18 years now. And I guess the easiest way to describe it would be is, you know, if anybody has ever been at the golf range and met someone or heard someone complain about the fact that they are fantastic on the practice tee, but when it comes to actually going on the course and performing, there is a huge difference between how they can hit the balls on the practice tee and how they actually hit the balls when they're on the course itself. Well, what I do is I help, I have, I've helped professional and Olympic athletes make sure that their practice performance looks the exact same as their game day performance. And the way that I do that is through mental toughness strategies, sports psychology consulting, helping them with their confidence, relaxing in the moment, eliminating stress and anxiety. And so I've been doing that for a long time, worked with lots of Olympians, pro athletes in football, basketball, professional golf. And then about 10 years ago, I transitioned into doing a lot more work in the corporate and entrepreneurial space and uh, built up 
a big leadership program with a large group of companies around the world, Fortune 50 companies. And so I help people perform at a higher level so that the vision that they have and what they actually do in their day matches up. And you're pretty dang good at what you do. I could say that personally because now I have hired you to be my coach and you've been kicking my butt to say the least. (laughs) And it's a good thing. But I love this term you use, mental toughness. And Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see some of that, you know, your specialty in that area come through in all these questions that I'm going to ask you. We have these scenarios that I would love you to take us through in terms of how you would coach someone through these challenges I'm going to put in front of you. Are you cool with that? Absolutely. Fire away. Okay. So the first one is actually mine before I started working with you. It's something that I continue to work on. So let's just dive into mine first, and then we'll get to some of the other questions that were sent in. So my question is this, or my challenge, I should say, is this. No matter what I try to do to fix it, I'm constantly working on a million things at once, and nothing seems to ever get my full attention. Yeah. So this is a phenomena that uh, we call context switching. And that's this idea, you know, the, the metaphor would be a lot of people have been to a buffet and there are so many great things that are staring back at you and we all want to take some of it. And by the time we walk away and we go and sit down, we have this heaping plate of food that rarely the average person can actually get through. There are some special people out there who can actually finish <laughs> off and polish off that plate and they're determined folk. But this, we have the exact same thing in the entrepreneurial space, whether it's a particular marketing platform that that we could go to, or a way that we could generate leads for our business, or the way that we actually deliver our product, or the types of software that we can bring into our business. And we start working on, maybe we bring in one piece of software and we like it, but then we hear someone else is getting some amazing results on another software platform. So then we decide, well, maybe we'll go check out that one and we'll download that one, or we'll sign up for that one. And we start working in that maybe email system or something like that. And what we do is we're stacking up all these different projects. And so what context switching comes out of, there's a study that was done back in the early 90s. And they had people that essentially were sitting at a computer screen. And once a a dot flashed on the screen, they had to, at the same time, press a button. So pretty simple, see a light, press a button. Then there was another group that as soon as they were shown the light, it was a colored light, they would not only have to push the button, but they would also then have to push a corresponding color that was next to it. So if it was red, then they have to push the red button and the blue, yellow and green button, so on and so forth. What they found was the more things or the more sequences people had to do, what would happen is they would actually lose a whole bunch of time or 20% of their time in just trying to reacquaint themselves to the next thing that they had to go push. So what does this translate to you? So if you've got five projects on the go right now, which is actually a very low number. The average probably entrepreneur has multiple projects or multiple things that they're working on. And if you haven't organized your day in a way that you're working on one specific thing at a time and not working at five things at the same time, having email open and working on maybe a Facebook campaign and then also, you know, writing an article or, you know, in a retail business, it's someone walks in the door and you got to greet them, but then you're also working on some, you know, talking to a supplier on the phone. And if you're doing all these things at the same time, it takes that conversation that you're talking to your supplier on the phone actually ends up taking you longer because you got to reacquaint yourself to that person. And so what happens is if you're working on one project and one project alone, context switching says that you have how much of your time available? Well, you've got 100% of your time available to you because you're working on one project and that's it. Of course, you're going to have 100% of your time. 
But then this phenomenon where it kicks in is if you're working on two projects at the same time, people, if I ask people, so how much time do you have available? Most people would say, well, I've got 50% for the one project and 50% for the other one. Right. And that isn't the case. You actually have 40% for each of them because context switching will cost you 20% of your time. It's literally a lost amount of time in your day. So if I had eight hours and I was working on two projects and skipping back and forth between the two of them, I've literally cost myself a hard cost of 20% of my day. And that compounds and compounds over time. So that if you were actually working on five projects at once, at the end of the day, you've actually lost 75% of productivity, 75% of the day's hours to context switching. Because you got to reacquaint yourself. Where was I again? Or maybe you've moved you know, a notebook around and now you can't find it or you don't know what page you were on or you know, the tab that you had opened and you can't find it now and you're wasting all of this time to try and reacquaint yourself. So the reason that a person or an entrepreneur or you, as the example, can't feel like you're getting any traction underneath yourself is because you just haven't learned the model for really how to be managing the activities in your day. And I say that word instead of time because This idea of time management is a complete fallacy. No human being can manage time. Time is not a manageable thing. What is manageable are the activities in your day. Plus, the idea of managing activities is far more empowering to people because this idea of time management seems super daunting. But activities, I have control over my activities. So the reason that you're not getting any traction on all these things is because there's just way too many things that you're working on at one time and haven't learned a new way of managing yourself and those activities in your day and sticking to it. There's a great story that kind of goes around this too of back in uh, 1903, Charles Schwab, who just became the uh, president of Bethlehem Steel Corporation, which was a huge company owned by Andrew Carnegie. Ivy Lee, who was, a, who was really the father of the publicity industry, had said to him that if I could give you a way to increase the productivity of your company, what would that be worth to you? And Charles Schwab's response to that was, I would pay anyone within a reasonable amount, any amount of money that could increase the productivity of myself and the company. So Ivy Lee gave him his strategy to do that and said, pay me what you think it's worth once you've had a go of it. And then three weeks later, Ivy Lee received a check from Charles Schwab of $25,000, which in today's amount well, I just I actually just plugged it into the online calendar of conversion, and that's five hundred ninety-eight thousand and thirteen dollars. I figured in it was a lot. Wow. Yeah, and and basically the strategy was write out your six highest priority tasks that you're going to be working on tomorrow, and then prioritize them from one to six, and only move to the second one after you've completed number one. Ah, oh, so good. And that's it. It's super simple. Have other people heard this before? Of course they are. But if you're looking for the you know most convoluted, complicated strategy, you've, you've already started with the wrong tool in your hands. So it's true. simple. It's not, it's not challenging or difficult. It's just the challenging and difficult part is the you part. It's sticking to it. But then after a while, you've calloused it up and you've created the habit and the behavior and it's easy. So Todd, I mentioned in the podcast right before this, number 46, that I read this book, Scrum, that you and my friend Devin recommended. And in that book, they talked about doing these sprints and actually having a task to completion, whatever that completion looks like to you before you move on to this next kind of concept. And is that a little bit like what you're referring to there? Absolutely. 
it's, it's all about establishing some sort of result that you're trying to get out of the project. I know what it's like out there. People go, I can't complete project number one because it's going to take me three weeks to even complete that project. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the activity within that project. Once you, maybe it's write an email. Well, then don't move on to the next project you have until you've completed the email for project A. Yes. And, and only do that one thing and then move on. And you're going to, you've closed a feedback loop. You're seeing results. There's this buildup that happens with that. So yeah, a big part of the work that I do with people is breaking things down into two-week sprints. Close feedback loops really, really quickly. I've talked about this before in many, many other talks that I've done on this idea of never, ever, ever should anybody be setting anything beyond a 90-day goal. Goals are only meant to be within a 90-day period. This idea that's been out there in the self-help and personal development world that we should be setting one-year, five-year, three-year goals, six-month goals is a complete fallacy. It actually breaks how human beings, our brains are structured. Our brain cannot, our mind cannot conceive of anything tangible beyond a three-month limit. That's basically the horizon line to our imagination of seeing something working for us that's tangible in our business or in our personal life. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have a vision we're trying to get to, but a vision and a goal are two very, very different things. Visions are more ethereal. It's an idea. A goal is something that you can see and you can hit. That's the equivalent of if an archer pulled back an arrow and some self-help guru came up to that person and said, okay, now what you need to do is you need to hit that target that's five miles away. (laughs) Impossible. And yet that's what people are asking. That's what people have been working with for a a century. It's, It's silly. And so that's why the people that I typically work with see huge improvement in their performance because we're working on the highest impact, most leveraged thing in their business right now. Okay. So let's talk about an assignment you have me doing right now that's not so much fun, but hugely (laughs) insightful. And just a little bit about me. I'm so bad at doing something like consecutively for 30 days. It's something that I'm really trying to get better at. And so Todd has me for the next 30 days, every night I have to text him this basically just a piece of paper where I write out kind of how I spent my day. But tell people a little bit about the $10, $100, that whole concept you've got me doing. Yeah. So this is a concept that I call the entrepreneurial scorecard. And what Amy is doing right now is every single day, she's got four columns. There's $10 per hour column, a $100 per hour column, 1,000 and 10,000 per hour columns. And what those are is every couple of hours, an alarm goes off and Amy has to put into each one of those columns, what, she, what activities that she was doing. And something that goes in the $10 per hour column is if someone is out there that I could pay $10 to do that task, that's obviously a $10 per hour task. And over the course of time, entrepreneurs have a tendency that if they see there's a lot of things piling up in this $10 per hour category. It's painful because it you, you, you value your time and you value your skill sets of far higher than $10 per hour. So what I'm tr- what I try to get entrepreneurs to do is move themselves obviously closer to that one thousand and ten thousand dollar per hour column. Then we add up all those hours and we multiply it by the you know dollar amount in each column, and that tells you how much you've just paid yourself today. Now, is that actually hard money that's sitting in your account? Of course not. But we know through this law of sowing and reaping that there's a harvest that will build up three months from now, or it could be six months from now based on the activities that you're doing now. And if you're filling up your days today with $1,000 and $10,000 activities, there's a huge harvest that will be around the corner for you. So true. 
So here's what's great about that assignment you have me doing. And that is that one, it's very clear when I've spent the day on things that I shouldn't be. But also because I know I'm going to track it, I start something and I think, okay, where's this going to fall? And if it's going to fall in the 10 or $100 category, I try to then delegate. But based on how you know my business, a lot of people listening are in the online marketing business. They do similar type things as me, at least a good handful. So give me an example of what would be in, let's say, the $100 column versus the $1,000 column. Okay. Well, web design, web design or graphic designers, like well-paid graphic designers, engineers, like people that are doing maybe campaign planning and things like that inside of whether it be Infusionsoft or, you know, Entreport or something like that, or HubSpot, those people are more highly skilled than a $10 per hour person typically. Now there is between $100 and $1,000 column. If I was drawing it out, I kind of always put a more of a black Sharpie line between those two because the skip between a $100 per hour person and a $1,000 per hour person Usually the $100 people are still on the red side of your ledger, meaning that they, they're usually costing you money. They're not revenue generators inside of your business. If you're a graphic designer, yes, they have an impact on the look and the brand and the feel of a person's business, but they're not usually generating money for you. So they're costing you money typically. $1,000 and $10,000 per hour activities are all revenue generating. Salespeople are typically on that $1,000 per hour, or $10,000. Joint venturing is a, depending on the scale of a business, is a $10,000 per activity. Me speaking on stage, I even have for some, because I have more than just one business, but for some businesses, there's a $50,000 per hour column. I've got a client, uh, I've got a couple of billionaires that I work with, and they have million and $10 million columns that they work with because it's just economies of scale. So, you know, a person that's working online, $10 per hour would be writing an article. How do I know that it's worth $10 per hour? Because I can go online and pay someone 10 bucks an hour to write an article. Okay. Right? Now, does that mean that you don't want to maybe tweak it once it comes back into your own voice? That's fine. But at least you're not spending the hour doing it. You can tweak it and it only takes you 10 minutes. Right. Makes so you're, you're buying back time is what you're doing here. Or buying back the value of activities when you start delegating and outsourcing these things. Another way I've used it is like right now we're in B-School. So I've been writing a lot of email copy and bonus copy for B-School. So to write that copy, I put it in the $1,000 category or even sometimes 10,000, depending on what I'm working on, because I know that will translate quickly into sales if I do it right. Whereas if someone's writing copy for, let's say a smaller program of mine or just a lead magnet, well, that's going to go into a different category. So it really also depends on what you're working on and what's the end game for that, right? Exactly. That's why I was talking about the whole economies of scale thing. Depending on where this activity is leading towards, that number can fluctuate up and down slightly for people. Perfect. Okay, good. So that that definitely makes sense. Okay, I'm interrupting this interview here because after we recorded this interview, I had this really great idea to create this special tracker that Todd and I just talked about the entrepreneurial scorecard to be exact, to actually give you so you can take action with it yourself. I've been using it for the last 30 days or I'm at least going on to 30 days and it has been incredibly helpful. So I want the same for you. So you can download this entrepreneurial scorecard at amyporterfield.com forward slash 47 download. So amyporterfield.com forward slash 47 download, you can get the scorecard yourself 
and then start using it for the next, let's say, week or so to start tracking where you're spending your time to get a really good picture of what's worth your time and what maybe you should be leveraging or delegating so that the time you are spending on projects is really quality time that's making a difference in your business. Now, if you'd rather text to get this free download, you can text 47DOWNLOAD to 38470. So text 47DOWNLOAD to the number 38470. Okay, let's go ahead and jump back into the interview. Okay, so let's go on to the next challenge. And this challenge is from Marsha. And Marsha says, I am so scared that I will fail that I can't make a decision. What if the decision I do make is not the right one? Well, it's such a common challenge that people deal with. And Marsha is definitely not the only one. And there's probably a lot of people that are not in their head saying, okay, Todd, what do you got? What do you got? Yeah. That are on the other end of this. Come on, you better have something magical coming out of your mouth. This better be good. This better be good. (laughs) All right. I better put on my big boy pants for this one. Well, here's the reality. There is no such thing as a right and a wrong decision. Right off the bat, the model or the framework or the lens that people are looking at this stuff through is already a catch-22. What people really, the attitude of a successful-minded individual is, is I want to make as many decisions as quickly as possible with the information that I have available to me, a lot. So we were trying to make a lot of decisions because the, the challenge people have is they're clinging to this rationalization that with each passing day, you're going to get more information and you're going to get greater wisdom with which to decide something with. And then therefore, you're going to make a better decision. And the only problem with that is that all of our knowledge does not come from information. Our knowledge comes from experience. And most of our experience comes from being wrong. So I am a person. My attitude is I want to get to as many wrong decisions as I possibly can. I'm hunting for them because I can learn something from them. Now, does that mean I'm making a decision so that I can be wrong? No, I'm okay with being wrong though. That's where I'm going to be learning the most. Yes. And in in athletics, we call this, in athletics, we call it periodization, which is just this type of training that we are closing these feedback loops. We're, We're working on a specific thing repetitively and consistently over a short period of time. And that's why you can get these rapid improvements. So. For someone that is scared of making decisions, because I mean, what you're going to lose a few dollars if you choose to go with AWeber instead of GetResponse. I mean, the success factor between the two is literally minimal. Right. There's, I mean, oh, which email program should I use? Or, you know, should I be doing Facebook ads or should I be maybe hopping on Pinterest? Just test it. That's the whole point of entrepreneurialism is to test constantly. I was just talking to a group of people a couple of days ago, and I was telling them that your job as the entrepreneur is to offer, 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 offer. <laughs> and that's all you do is come up with an offer, come up with a new product, come up with a new service and offer it and see what people see what the take rate is. That's how you learn really, really quickly. That's how you gain wisdom. Yes. You know, that's how you get to the Amy Porterfield level. I mean, how Please. many times, yeah, how many times, did, how many times did you make a mistake? All the time. And I always say that the secret to my success truly is that I am constantly taking action. I never say I'm taking the right action. I'm like the caveman that if I don't touch the coal and realize it's hot, Mm -hmm. I don't learn quickly. And so I've got to just do it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm also take action quickly to change it. 
Like yeah. I'm not sitting on something and watching it go down the drain for three weeks. I'm just getting yeah. in there and fixing it. And that you're right. That's what's so amazingly great about being an entrepreneur. We have this amazing flexibility to change course at any time we feel that that course needs to be changed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's so, so cool. That's the power. Exactly. That's the power of it. But she has said that I'm so scared that I will fail. Yes. Um, and that's the thing she's attaching herself to is that Marsha has become her business. Me. So if, if we're writing an equation, if I put the, if I'm writing on a piece of paper, me equals business, I'm going to put a big slash to the equal sign. Me does not equal my business. Mm. I, who Todd is and who my business is are two very separate entities. And so Marsha is wrapping up her self-image, her self-esteem all up in this business thing. And that is not what it is. Business is more like a laboratory. There's a lot of testing that happens there. There's a lot of, you know, mucking things up. And if you're attaching that to yourself and oh my, people are going to judge me or people are going to say, hey, ha ha ha, you made a mistake. Like I welcome that. Yeah, I made a mistake. Yeah. That's, that's freaking awesome because I just gained a whole bunch of experience and wisdom from that, which is going to make me as a coach or a consultant, even that much more valuable to the people that I work with. Now you bring up a really great point though. And if Marsha's equating, you know, me equals my business, I think that's happening a lot. I mean, I've definitely been guilty of it because so many of us are our own personal brand. So part of me, Todd, thinks in my head, I am my business, Todd. My name's all over it. My face is all over it. How could you say that those two are separated? Because you are not your entire business. Does everybody see every single part of Amy inside of that business? No. We, we, people in this personal branding space need to learn to compartmentalize and say, okay, well, this is the part I'm going to pull out of Todd and I'm going to pull this part and I'm going to magnify these parts and put them out there to the marketplace because that's the thing that's going to serve people the most. Yes. Now, um, the other part that trips people up is the reason that they're attaching themselves so much to their business is because they really, and this, this goes for more of the coach, consultant, service-based professional space, they really haven't created some sort of model or intellectual property around the thing that they know. See, like the moment that you would sort of extrapolate and you extract, okay, what do I, if I'm a, you know, marketing expert that works in the dentistry space, what are my philosophies around how to best market to that space. And I'm going to create some sort of model around that world that I'm, or that product I'm taking out to people. And now just by me creating this product or this model, I've sort of removed a lot of my personality from it. Like as a person who's actually sold a consulting business, the only way that you can actually take a service business and then go and sell it to another company is you got to create some intellectual property. Now I'm not really all that attached to my philosophies on high performance, because I know that we as human beings are constantly learning new things about how we're built, how we're structured. We're learning so many things about how the brain works, motivation and things like this. So if I get attached to my ideas, boy, I've just made a huge mistake with helping out my eventual clients because I've attached myself way too hard to that idea. I'm, I'm looking to constantly iterate on the stuff that I have. The stuff I have today looks way different than 15 years ago. Yes. So true. So true. So, but, you know, yeah, you are, you are a part of your business, but as you're learning, cause you're building out a, a team around yourself mm -hmm. that if you're still the cog in the center of that wheel, you're just going to be churning at a higher rate of speed. 
with a lot more friction because you now you're now you're working with or you're depend people are you got more people depending on you. You're so right about that. I think coming back to that whole mental toughness, looking at your business as not as your you know, we always say like our business is our baby. Well, when you start looking at it like that, you're yeah. in big trouble because yeah. you won't want to experiment. You won't want to take those risks and you don't want to, you know, do stuff that could go wrong because you're afraid of really messing up. So yeah, that yeah. brings really good light into that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I mean, here's the one thing is I don't care about my business as much as I care about who the business serves. Yes. That takes a lot of ego out of it. Absolutely. And that's why my attitude is all about, okay, well, is, is what I'm doing today, is that really the right thing right now? Is there anything that's come out recently? Like I read a lot of scientific reports or I read lots of different studies. And this even comes to, I mean, in the online space, there's fantastic blogs that are out there talking to, and you talk about this, just getting data on your business. And maybe that shifts the way that you do a marketing strategy. Yeah. And now, of course, you're now you're more valuable to the people that you serve because you're actually operating off of the newest and latest information, not stuff that happened two years ago. So true. Yeah. I'm with you there for sure. Okay. So we've got some good ones coming up. This one's from Denise. And Denise says, for me, the challenge is about getting started and not knowing the right things to do at the right time. And I want to know what I need to do first, what I need to do second and third while staying focused. Yeah. That's a super common challenge. Yeah, that it is. There's um, any number of things that people can be working on when it comes to growing a business. Um, you hear people all the time saying, hey, you got to systemize. You got to make sure you're building some processes for your business. That's, that's an element. There's an element of truth there, but that's not necessarily true because when you're in, I have these five stages of business that I talk about. There's, if you're looking at it from a pyramid perspective, at the very bottom of the pyramid, there's a dream up stage. Then at the stage above that, there's startup, then there's ramp up, scale up, and then finally leader up, which is the, the, being in a leadership position in your niche or your marketplace. So people at the dream up stage are all, they have an idea, they've been thinking about it for a long time, but there's no money coming in because they've never taken any action on it, or they're still sort of procrastinating on it, or maybe they just haven't had the time to take action on it because they're working a full-time job or something like that. So this stage is all about, there's some sort of excitement, but there's huge trepidation. There's some fear that's there and anxiety about, oh my goodness, like, do I even do this? Who am I to think that I can go and do this and, and things like that. And at the startup stages, now we're actually, we got some traction. We sold something. We, maybe we have a client. Maybe we've got a couple of clients. Maybe we sold a few products online or, you know, depending on what business it is. Now in this stage, in the startup stage, processes and systems are not that important. What's important at the startup stage is all about continuing to get the message out there. Market, 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 offer, 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 because one thing you don't have is a lot of money. So whatever got you into that startup stage, continue doing more of it or continue to get that message out there in whatever means you possibly can. And the best way to decide is what skills do you currently have that are and what platform can I take my skills to that's more easily going to amplify them? So when I first started out my business, I had a skill set of speaking. I did a lot of speeches growing up because I was in 4-H. If you don't know what that is, that's basically agricultural boy scouts. Because I grew up on a farm and ranch in Canada. And so I did, I, I spoke. And what I did was literally, this is my entire plan for how my company started. I did 68 speeches in 90 days. What? That's crazy town. Throughout my province of Alberta. And so everyone goes immediately, people go, how'd you book 68 speeches? And I tell them I booked two. I booked two speeches. That's all I did. And then when I stood at the front of the room, 
I said to people, because I was talking to youth sports teams and the parents were in the back of the room and I was talking about the importance of building out a whole athlete that not only had exceptional skills, but then also had exceptional emotional and thinking power as well, which is what mental toughness is about is uniting these three things together. And, and I said, you know, like, cause I was doing these talks for free, didn't care about getting paid. I just wanted to get the message out there. And I say to people, you know what, if you want me to come, cause I know you've got other kids and that are in other sports and they might not be in this room right now. So if any of you would want to come to the you know, front of the room and talk to me about coming out and talking to their association or their team, you know, feel free. I'd, I'd love to get this message out there to more people. And that's how it started. And because I had half those parents come up to me and say, oh, I've got my daughter, she's in swimming, or I've got my daughter who plays on this volleyball team, or my son's also on this lacrosse team. And, and that's how it proliferated from there. And so I did six days, speeches in 90 days. That was 18 years ago. I've never had to market since. Nice. Everything that I choose to do, even this, people say, yeah, but you're marketing right now a little bit on this podcast with Amy because you're, you know, you're kind of getting your message out there. Yeah, but this is just sort of, I like doing this. This isn't, I don't, this isn't some intentional thing inside my business where I go, I've got to do five podcasts every single month. Right. <laughs> right. So it was a huge, so I leveraged the skill I had of speaking and I went and spoke to my audience. So if you've got a skill of excellent writing skills, then I would be looking at, okay, well, who has the market that I want to serve in larger blog networks? And that's what I would be going out and doing. Or if I'm really good on face to camera that I'm going to be, you know, doing a whole bunch of videos and throwing them up on. YouTube and then taking that YouTube video and then maybe redistributing that onto someone else's blog network as well, or doing custom videos for people's blog networks. Like there's different ways that you can go about doing this. Okay. So with that, this, this next question is actually, I think a little bit similar, but I'm wondering if you have an extended take on it and it's Pi. Uh, how do you think you say her name? You have it in Priya. It's Priya. Priya. Okay, perfect. So Priya's challenge is this. I feel like businesses need to constantly reinvent to stay relevant there's so much noise of people marketing to businesses, and sometimes it's hard to pick what is right for my small business. I need guidance, but I feel that no one size fits all. Well, that's very true. There is no one size fits all. Again, this gets back to what are the resources that you're bringing to yes. the table right now, and what level are you at? You know, which level are, of these different stages of business are you at? And there's actually a, but there's, there's actually a deeper thing here that's going on in this marketplace, Amy, that I've looked at because I've sort of gotten involved in it in the last, you know, couple of years by coaching and working with a few of what would be perceived as like the big players inside of the online sort of business space. And there's this real sort of need that people are coming to this, some of these, you know, teachers like yourself, and they're coming at it with this lens of, Hey, what can you teach me? And how can you give me all the answers, which is never the right strategy because now you're not developing your own thinking power because I don't want the content. That's never what I look at. I want the context. I want someone to give me the big picture of, hey, this is why we do it this way. And this is what it's about. Okay. So I got to stop you there because you have a different take on this. So basically what you're saying is a lot of people in the online marketing space are giving content. Like I'm going to teach you exactly how to do X, Y, Z, and here's all the things you yeah. need to teach it, which is yeah. kind of pretty much what I do. You yeah. have a different take on it. And that is the context. So I want you to expand on that, but I wanted people to realize the difference that you're talking about here. And it's very interesting, especially in your program that I know it's not for sale right now, but you did a program where you're yeah. involved in it right now. And that's kind of the play. So talk about that and that whole experience. 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, when I was doing the research into what was needed in the marketplace, I saw just this, you know, devouring of a lot of content, how to do things. And so people would go and do them and they, they could even get a result, but they could never replicate it then because they didn't actually know what were the real strings that were pulling the levers that made this thing successful, which is really the why part. Um, when you, when you can become the puppet master and, or the puppeteer instead of the puppet, which is the puppet is the how-to stuff. The puppeteer is the why and the what stuff. You know what strings to pull. You know why we're moving in this direction of social and community selling or something like that. Now, that isn't to put down what you do isn't important because you're delivering a system. But what is wrong is going from Amy to this person, to that person, to that person, and following six different teachers. And then you're getting your wires all crossed up because you're like, well, this person says to do it this way and this person says to do it that way. And there is no sometimes right or wrong there. There's maybe more optimized ways of doing things, but this idea that you need to be spoon fed every single process and this dot to that dot to that dot, you are completely dependent now, which when you're, when you become dependent on the guru, your self-esteem, your self-confidence and your self-image are shot. Okay. But here's the deal. What I don't like sometimes when I get into programs is they're giving me the big picture. But they're mm-hmm. not giving me any of the how to get it done to take action because I'm an action kind of girl. That's how my mind works. But sure. you're not necessarily talking about the big picture. That's not what context is to you, right? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, big picture does matter. But what I'm talking about is strategy is bigger picture. That's the way that we're going to do it. How we get there, there's multiple ways to do it. There's so many ways to do it. I mean, I can go and do a Google search on the content and it's pretty much out there on different ways to do it. But if I really like Amy's model, then I'm going to stick with Amy's model. And I do like your model. I mean, I've told you this before. I mean, this is before any, either of us even worked together and even knew each other all that well. I saw one of your webinars because I was just curious about this Amy person. And mm-hmm. you were by far and away the best webinar I'd ever seen for content delivery, for the way that you taught and the actionable things that you could actually take out of it. So um, awesome. And, and I'm not saying that because you're my client, I, I told you that long before we, we ever worked, worked together, yeah. but, um, yeah, no, people need to know the strategy and they need to kind of stick, stick to one good quality, trusted advisor. And that person will steer them in the right direction. Now, here's the thing. If you are getting context, if you are getting strategy type work that isn't layered in a lot of how to, which is a lot of what the program is that I've been you know working through with the people that are in it right now you had better be getting some good quality coaching through it. So in mine, like there's a lot of time that I'm putting into it because when people come to me, because naturally they come back to me, yeah, but Todd, how do I apply this? I'll ask them being a good coach. I'll ask them clarifying questions so that they uncover the how-to because I don't want people dependent on me. That is not a good coach. Now tell people real fast, because I'm sure they're wondering, what is the name of your program? It's called the 90 day year. 90 day year. Yeah. And and it's, and it's all, yeah, it's, it's all about how to get four times the results than other people get in an entire year. Because we work on this constrained time frame of 90 days, I show people the actual proper way to unpack and create goals for themselves that will actually produce a result um, and not context switch and make sure that they're working on the highest priority activities that 
are at the stage of business that they're at right now. Okay. So that's good stuff. He's not, it's not live right now, but I'm going to put a link to some information about Todd in the show notes. So when it does go live again, if you're interested, it's an amazing program and I highly recommend it. But I want to, we're going to go down to one more question, but I want to just kind of touch a little bit more on this whole context thing, because I think it's going to be fairly new to a lot of people listening. So when you talk about context, give me a little bit more in terms of, you know, how to apply that. So let's say they chose, okay, I like Amy's model. I like what she's doing in her business. She's going to be my how-to girl. She's going to be where I'm going to learn how to apply these strategies. But pulling back a little bit, what do they need to understand about the context before they get into the how-to? And I might've asked that in a weird way. I just want you to talk a little bit more about what context looks like versus the how-to stuff. Yeah, sure. So the how-to stuff is the process. It is, here are the steps, one, two, three, four, to do this. The context is a a case study is sort of, uh, sorry, uh, content is like a case study. It's the research. It's that type of information. That's what content is. Context is, again, it's, it's bigger picture. It's the, what's the model? Like, what's the overarching model? And process is at the bottom. The system, the overarching system is, okay, this is how the Facebook ecosystem works. Mm. That is, that's the big picture stuff. This is how you can go and take this ecosystem and apply it to your niche. Okay. That is the content. Okay. How about this? Would context be, I'm going to show you the importance of creating an automated marketing funnel for your business. Yes. That is the context. Context. And now how you get there and how you put it all together. Well, you can go to 10 different people and they'll probably have different ideas for you that probably many of them would work. But just having the understanding that my business needs an automated marketing funnel, so I'm not killing myself every single day trying to generate revenue. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so why do I need a marketing funnel? That is the context part of it. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly. You're okay. exactly right. Perfect. Yep. Okay. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. Okay. Yep, so um, uh, let's see here. I'm going to ask two more questions and then we'll wrap it up. But this okay. one question, again, back to that mental toughness is from Lisa. And Lisa says, I have insecurity over getting that first pain client. Mm-hmm. Well, this kind of gets to that meta thing that we were talking about before of really attaching ourselves so much to our business. And I, I know, especially in that coaching, well, I'm bringing myself to it. So of course, I'm going to be attaching myself to it. Well, I think you and I have talked about this before. Maybe, Amy, you can tell me as to whether or not this would be a good place to, to talk about this. And that's this idea of alter egos. Yes, let's do it. Okay. So how I kind of got my name more uh, famous in the you know sports ranks in the professional and Olympic is um, I sort of developed this system for developing alter egos. And one thing I noticed from working with high-performing athletes was you know, just paying attention was that they actually all had some sort of alter ego or character that they stepped into for their performances. And, you know, talking to them and sort of unpacking that there was no real system that people followed. So I'd created a process for how to actually create alter egos for people. And what this allows you to do is allows you in the field of play or on, on, on the field, many people, I mean, in all of our personalities, we all have sort of certain insecurities that we have. The worst thing that you can do in the context of performance is take who you are and all your insecurities onto the field of play. Right. And those insecurities, we start worrying about other people criticizing us, judgment from other people. And then that 
those things snowball into this thing we call fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection, and, and so forth. So what I started doing was working with people and helping them craft these alter egos. So what's important in crafting an alter ego is you can use anything. You can use animals as an inspiration for an alter ego. You can use superheroes. You could use characters from television or movies. You could use a compilation of other people that you really admire. Let's say it's Mother Teresa and it's Susan Sarandon or you know anybody that you can think of. You can kind of mesh people together because you really like that really like you know that person's sort of no-nonsense approach and you sort of embody that. What does that look like? What does that feel like to be that? And then what we do is we actually come up with a trigger, something that we wear. We need some sort of totem. You know, an athlete, it could be a band, like a, a headband or a wristband or a special way that we tie our laces that once I cinch them up, I become that alter ego. And when I step on the field, I am that and I give it a name. I've got a name for mine and I am that I'm no longer Todd because I need to remove those insecurities so that they don't show up so that my, all the hard work I've put into the practices that I've been executing on for the last eight years actually shows up in my performance. So for myself, I'll tell you this, when I first started out, I baby face, young looking, 21, 22, and I was going out there to speak. And um, my mentor for 13 years, we talked each month was Jim Rohn. And Jim kind of helped me get over a little bit of that. But still, I still had this, you know, nagging thing inside of me that, you know, people were judging me because I was so young. And who's going to listen to someone who's so young? And I had always, for whatever reason, thought that people who wore glasses looked smarter and <laughs> were smarter than people who didn't have glasses. So I went on and got a pair of fake glasses because I actually have 2015 vision. I do not need glasses whatsoever. <laughs> and I put on these glasses and for me, it was actually reverse Clark Kent. So Clark Kent's wearing glasses, takes off his glasses and all of a sudden it becomes Superman. Mine was the reverse. I became a super business person. I became more, more art, way more articulate. I was far more sort of in control of myself and my emotions in the moment. Because that's the one thing that would get away from me. Todd normally is sort of me hyper emotional, not necessarily anymore, but back in those days, far, far, ex very excitable and easily, easy to uh, kind of manipulate with some sort of grand offer. But with my glasses on, I wasn't that way. And I developed this alter ego and it helped out so much. So Lisa, if you're insecure, stop taking Lisa into the delivery of your business, become mm -hmm. something else who is secure, who really trusts that she has good content, good skills, good competency to deliver a result for people. And that person's name could be come up with another name and then wear something. I've got, I've got women who've gone out and actually created custom bracelets for themselves that they only wear it when they're going into competition or when they're going into, you know, work or a presentation. I love or, it it. Could be, or it could be a special ring and you, Maybe you had some sort of grandma that just had like an, an iron will and had a, you know, an iron backbone and you have one of her old rings and you put that on and you channel that type of energy into yourself. Or even if you don't have that ring, doesn't mean that you can't go and still do it. And maybe you go and get her birthstone inside of a ring for yourself and you put that on and that reminds you that your grandma is there. She's watching you and she's channeling her iron will into you. But it's the fastest way I've ever seen to get people to a higher level of performance is to create some sort of alter ego to step into. That's so cool. I've heard it works like gangbusters. I've never tried it and it's definitely something I want to do. But when I work with Tony Robbins, he did this with some of his 
huge, high-paying clients, they all had these alter egos that he would reference every time he did coaching sessions with them. So Mm -hmm. I know it works. Definitely. I've seen it in practice. So I highly recommend for if you're struggling with that confidence, if you're just starting out in your business and you're thinking, this doesn't feel right, I'm out of my comfort zone every minute, well, then get out of your own self and create someone else, your alter ego, that will do the work for you. I love that. I kind one of, of, what, sorry, one other tangible thing, sorry to interrupt you, Amy, no, is, okay. is also stand in front of the mirror yeah, and as if you're talking to that other person who you would like to ask to be, or you're, you've, cause you've never actually said the words. Yeah. And for my coaching services, it's $500 per month. And what most people do is they actually, their inflection goes up at the end, yeah. which is a, is a sign of doubt. If they go, it's $500 a month. It's like they're looking for some sort of approval, you know, so work that out of yourself and just say it flat. It's $500 per month. And you say it's $500 for the coaching that I give to help you get over procrastination or it's $500 a month to help you get over the emotional scars from, you know, divorce, whatever the service is that someone has and just repeat it, say it, say it, say it often. We've got to role play this stuff. There's a reason why athletes go on the practice field and practice. There's a reason why actors and actresses sit there and read their lines over and over again. It's so that in the moment of performance, they hit the mark each time. I love it. So good. It's actually where we should end this podcast because it's so good, but I promised one more. And the other question, the final question is really good too. So let's jump on that and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. But this question is from Bill and Bill says, I never have me time. It's Mm -hmm. either work or family and other commitments, but when and how do I make the time to go do the stuff I loved doing before I became entrenched as an entrepreneur? Great question. So good. And if I had Bill sitting in front of me, the next question I'd ask him is, Bill, what is you not having time to do these activities that light you up costing you? Mm, I bet he would know instantly. He would. Yeah. And is it costing you resentment with sort of your family sometime? Is it costing you a lack of energy? Is it costing you a lack of excitement in your week? Because it's just the same old week, week after week. What are all those costs? And where do you think that's going to end up leading you to six months from now or a year from now or five years from now? So here's how we can avoid this thing costing you all of these things. If I have my calendar in front of me and me is the most is is truly the most important time that we have and whether that's doing 20 minutes of meditation a day or whether that's sitting down and reading a magazine whatever the pastime is that you enjoy or if it's playing tennis the first thing that goes in there and you've got to, the the first person that we don't commit to is ourselves so we need to fill in on our calendar those pieces of the puzzle before we throw in the other things it's that whole metaphor of you know if i have a bucket what are the rocks that we put in first? Well, it's definitely not the sand. It's definitely not the little gravel. It's the big rocks. Yep. And if this thing is that important to you because you really do feel like it's costing you a lot, then you make sure that that rock goes on your calendar right away. So true. I was in a mastermind recently and two women that were in the mastermind are, are women that I highly trust and they have amazing rocking businesses. And I was saying that I struggle sometimes with creativity in in terms of having a bunch of ideas for different projects I'm working on. And both of them brought up the topic of when was the last time, Amy, that you uh, did something fun? When Mm -hmm. was the last time you went and had an adventure or, you know, really experimented with something new that had nothing to do with work? 
And I looked at him like they're crazy. Like, what do you mean nothing to do with work? I have a million things to do with work right now. Why would I do that? And they both basically told me that their business makes more money and they make a bigger impact because they've always built in time to be creative and adventurous and have fun. Like one of them goes to booty yoga, like that's Mm -hmm. her thing. And she Mm -hmm. swears that ever since she's been going to booty yoga and taking that time each week, she has seen her revenue soar and her happiness in her business. So if you need a little incentive just to make more money in your business, impact more lives and have more fun, I see a direct correlation with finding that time to do what really fuels you. Yeah. Well, and it reconnects you to why you're doing this then as well. Yes. Typically. Totally Typically agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So good stuff. Well, Todd, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you kind of getting into the minds of some of the entrepreneurs that are listening today that have been struggling with these very common challenges that we all face when growing a business. I know they're going to want to find out more about you. So where can I send people to learn more about Todd and all that you do? People could just simply go to toddherman.me. That's Todd Herman. T-O-D-D-H-E-R-M-A-N dot M-E to find out more. And I mean, there's not very much there because I really don't have a lot of a lot of an online presence. I've always kind of worked in, behind the scenes inside of, you know, big businesses, corporations. I've had businesses that are more kind of boutique and private. But uh, I feel now that like I'm, that's going to change a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's sort of the plan right now. Yeah. yeah. Todd's kind of taken the online marketing world by storm in a very unique way. So kind of watch what Todd will be doing in the next year because it's going to be pretty awesome. And you're going to be creating more opportunities for people to get to work with you, maybe not at the high, high level, because you're very expensive in a very good way. You should be proud of that. But for people that might not be able to afford you one-on-one coaching, you're going to possibly be starting some new opportunities for them, right? Absolutely. Well, that's what the whole 90-day year program is all about. And people have found ways inside of that community to make sure that they're extrapolating as much value as they possibly can out of Todd. And I'm super happy to get it because... I mean, at the end of the day, I care about, you know, delivering people results and helping them perform at a high level so they can, you know, serve people more and lead the lives that they've always kind of imagined for themselves. And it's been, it's been a fun trip of sort of building up that leverage program. I bet. I bet. It sounds like it's been a lot of fun. You've been highly involved. So you know what people need and want, and that's only going to make all of your online training programs even better as you start to, to work on some more. So thank you so much, Todd, for being here. I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Amy. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. So there you have it. I hope this episode has helped you gain insight and some inspiration on some of those challenges you might be facing as an entrepreneur as you continue to grow your business. You're not alone. We all face these challenges. So be patient with yourself. If you really focus on moving past them and don't let the fear stop you, you will start to see bigger results. Also, don't forget to download the Entrepreneurial Scorecard, the same one I've been using to track my tasks for the last 30 days. It's extremely insightful to actually see what projects and tasks are getting the most attention and which ones really should be getting the most attention and which tasks you should be leveraging. So my challenge for you is to track your work for a full week. The next seven days... If you don't work on weekends, then you just have to do it for five days. But if you do work weekends, the next seven days, track your activity. That way you can start to see really what is taking up so much time and where you can make some really big shifts. So you can download this entrepreneurial scorecard at amyporterfield.com forward slash 47 download, just the number 47 in the word download. 
So amyporterfield.com forward slash 47 download, or just text 47 download to the number 38470. So just text 47 download to 38470. I hope you have a fantastic week full of really big wins for you. And I cannot wait to talk to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 